welcome back to our last part of looking at chapter four, the religions in the classical era. Uh, we are going to be diving into Hinduism and Buddhism here, and I'm going to try to go over a lot of information in a short amount of time. So I, I might go kind of quick um, <clears throat> because I want to keep it short and sweet, but uh, there's going to be a lot coming at you here. So uh, we're going to start with Hinduism because it's actually the first of the two that comes about. There's no founder to Hinduism. We don't know who started it. It's kind of just a tradition that evolved over time. Maybe dates all the way back to the people of Mahenjo-Daro and uh, the Indus Valley civilizations. Um, but it, it constantly gets evolved on with, with more and more people coming into India, migrating there because of this fertile region and everything else. So, um, the... Uh, beginning of it really focuses on uh, kind of ritual sacrifice, and it's based around these texts known as the Vedas, and uh, they're kind of a poetic, rhythmic uh, prayer and um, ritual traditions that go with that, or there the readings in it um, that help people understand um, God or Brahman, um, which is the the overarching spirit that goes through everything. That there that is the one kind of true God in everything, and then the other things are. Uh, you have other gods like Shiva, um, uh, Brahma, Ganesha, um, Vishnu. All those, all those gods um, are are images of it for us to try to understand it, or, or are trying to understand it. Um, these texts were then uh, the Vedas were put together by a group of priests known as Brahmins, uh, and they were the high-ranking caste, uh, which we'll get to in chapter five. We'll talk about the caste system a little bit more there, but. Uh, they came about around 600 BCE, uh, but there's maybe some earlier evidence that this was going on around 1500 or so BCE. Um, so it's been going on for a while. It finally gets written down, kind of like uh, if we talked about Judaism, went into that with the, the Torah and the Hebrew Bible. Uh, most of it wasn't written down until much later than when the traditions began. So... Um, this, this religion starts out uh, in its early times being just in small kingdoms, and there are many gods, which then will morph into that. There's that Brahman behind all of it, and it's patriarchal uh, with women um, being initially able to participate in, in sacrifices and stuff like that early on uh, and scholarship, and, and they can uh, marry men, but then um, that's going to shift, especially as we get more to um, it, uh, the, the faith changing over time, uh, evolving. And um, that'll change. So that that whole change with women will happen when the Upanishads come up, and uh, there's a major reform going in. Um, and so, in these, um, they they criticize the the sacrifice, um, and um, because they they it, it was a criticism in the in the society of the day. And this is actually why you get. Uh, Buddha coming up and becoming uh, who he is because he's criticizing the Hindu faith. And, and one of the major things that he points out is, is, is the sacrifices. And so when they reform um, the, the faith, uh, they, they kind of put to the side sacrifices. Um, and so then you get these, uh, these major concepts. So they, the world soul, the soul of everything is that Brahman. Uh, that kind of comes about really from the Upanishads, wasn't necessarily around before then. Um, and it's the only real thing. Everything else is kind of an image that we're seeing and experiencing. Uh, the human soul uh, that will eventually return to Brahman is known as the Atman, um, and the goal for the human soul, and this was the goal before too as well under the Vedas, is to reach this idea of moksha or enlightenment, 
and you'll then join uh, Brahman. And you're probably not going to do it in one lifetime. It's going to take, actually, it's, they, they would probably say it's not possible to do it in one lifetime. It'll take you multiple lifetimes. And so we reincarnate over and over and over again. And this cycle of reincarnation is known as samsara. And the only way you can then get out of this is before the Upanishads, um, you had to be a Brahmin to, to reach moksha. After this, there's uh, you have to be in one of the twice-born castes. So the Brahmins are the priests, the rulers with the Kshatriyas or the Vaishyas who are the merchants. You had to be one of those three castes and then reach enlightenment. And um, the way you could get into one of those upper castes is if you had good karma. So you followed your duties, or which is known as dharma. Uh, if you did your caste duties um, and did what was expected of your life, you lived a good life, you would get good karma and you'd go up a caste. If you have bad karma because you didn't do that stuff, you're a bad person, you're going to go down and, and live as um, a lesser being. Um as the Upanishads go on, and as time goes on, just in general here, uh, women get, again, pushed more and more and more to the side. They're viewed as unclean. Um, they then get um, forbidden from being in rituals. And um, as well, people really get set into rigid um, casts and not be able to, to leave those, really, and you'll be stuck in there for generations um, based on the, the laws of Manu, which will come about to truly organize that caste system. And uh, a couple other things in the laws of Manu uh, that uh, come out, um, especially with what it does to women, um, is uh, it advocates for child marriage. So women are supposed to get married really young, and these are all arranged marriages as well. And um, what else? Uh, last kind of thing, maybe one of the unique books here. Uh, not necessarily the most school-appropriate thing, but there's... Um, there's the book known as the Kama Sutra, which tells you about how to uh, love uh, within the, how both sexes should kind of love each other, and uh, goes into more than just that PG version of it, um, but the, it kind of breaks down, and it's uh, that kind of life, or, or that part of life, and uh, really actually is meant to be equal for men and women. Um, now... Hinduism was more for those upper class peoples. If you were a Brahmin, it was great. If you were a, a Dalit, the lowest caste member, or uh, or a Shudra or anything like that, this this religion was terrible for you. Uh, there was no way to reach moksha. You'd have to wait another lifetime. And so Buddha says, nah, that's not, that's not, that's not right. And so uh, Buddha uh, establishes, although he wasn't trying to, the first universal religion uh, that we have. And um, he comes about at the same time as the Upanishads, a little bit before then, I think, um, but uh, his name was Siddhartha Gautama. His name wasn't the Buddha or anything like that. His, he was an actual person that lived back then. Uh, his early life, supposedly, well, he was a priest that was then sheltered, that then saw the real world and went, uh, this isn't good, and I can't live this kind of life. And so he uh, goes on a spiritual journey, and over six years, he'll eventually reach enlightenment, uh, which they call nirvana in Buddhism, not moksha. And then he goes about and says, well, I can't just rest on my laurels here and say, hey, look, I've, made, I've reached nirvana. Um, I need to, I need to go and teach everyone about this and tell them how they can reach enlightenment on their own. And some people will make it, other people won't. And so that cycle of samsara will continue here in Buddhism. Um, but his, his main focus is, is in preaching to the people is that life is suffering and therefore life isn't perfect. And, and we as human beings can't be perfect. Uh, but we can, we can get around this suffering, um, by lessening our craving, um, for, for earthly things, and then uh, by doing that, uh, 
we'll be able to reach enlightenment and and not worry about that stuff. And so you can follow the eightfold path for that. I'm not going to go through each step. You guys can kind of look that up. Um, but one of the the key things are just kind of living a right life, doing the right actions. You could think of it like the golden rule, which is something that I haven't brought up in any of these religions, but all these religions kind of preach, follow the golden rule or treat others how you want to be treated. Um, and another key part of this is meditation, which was also a, it's, it's also a key thing in Hinduism. Um, one of the key ways to, to reach it. So uh, he brings in the, the Hindu thoughts um, on samsara, as we already brought in, karma as well. Um, uh, Brahman, or that universal spirit, comes into here. Uh, but he makes it more accessible to people that are lower caste or not, uh, not really followers of it. Uh, he was against the Brahmins, um, against the caste system, against the patriarchy. Although he didn't necessarily explicitly do that, uh, but it was opened up to women. Um, and they were able to uh, have their own monasteries as well. Uh, so women get an escape here, and it, it, it really appeals to them and the lower caste uh, peoples. Uh, Buddhism will eventually reach its height under Ashoka, who is the Mauryan emperor that we saw. Um, he, he adopts it, and this allows Buddhism to spread, and it actually becomes the, the official religion in India for a short time. But after the fall of the Mauryan dynasty, uh, Hinduism will retake that, especially under the Gupta but um, from the Mauryan dynasty, they go and spread it out through missionary work to the rest of the world. It goes a little bit to the east or to the west uh, and to the Middle East and stuff like that. But really, it doesn't hold there. Uh, and where we see it actually spread to is to Southeast Asia, where also Hinduism spread to during that time. But uh, Buddhism will really take control there, and then we'll see that eventually kind of come into conflict with with Islam. Um, not that they're fighting or anything like that, but you'll see Islam spread there later on uh, when we get to era three and era four. Um, trying to think of any last things that we need to go into here with this. That's that's kind of the main things. Um, oh, last thing, I should really tell you about the two different uh, branches of, of Buddhism. Uh, the two main ones are Mahayana and Theravada. Uh, Theravada, you can think of it as it's the teaching of the elders, but think of it it's thinking. It's it's focusing on yourself and understanding yourself and your own motivations and and kind of. Um, um, reaching moksha on your own through monastery work and all that stuff. Um, and there isn't necessarily a God. There's no focus on that. Where Mahayana, this is the one that's most practiced throughout the world, is you can think of it as many gods. It's known as the great vehicle because it appeals to more people. And uh, it brings in gods or these bodhisattvas that are kind of deities or, or demigods that uh, will help people reach enlightenment. So you, you have it mixing with religions uh, abroad. And this is the one that really spreads along the Silk Road and to, to the rest of the world there. So um, they also kind of, uh, in some aspects, in some branches of the religion, they, they see things of, of heaven and hell there. Um, but it's, it's kind of a, it's really a, the big thing is that it's a goal for everyone to reach uh, uh, nirvana. Uh, that's, the, that's the main goal, whereas Theravada is individuals focusing on it instead of getting everyone across that, that finish line there. So um, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, that's, that's kind of really the main things in, in these two South Asian faiths. And that's really kind of everything in the classical, classical world for religion. There's a lot more we could go into that, but for the sake of time, uh, we're going to kind of wrap those up there. And next week we'll take a look at the, uh, social classes in these, uh, empires in the classical era.